You're listening to the Ifley Road podcast, a series of informal chats with our friends from the world of sport, where we talk about fitness, lifestyle, running and more. So grab a coffee, kick off your trainers, relax and enjoy. Ifleyroad.com So welcome to the Ifley Road podcast. I'm Bill Byrne. I'm Claire Kent. And in this episode, we're talking with leading triathlon coach James Beckinsale about why he loves Monday mornings, getting started in triathlon and coaching seniors right up to Olympic success. James has always got plenty to say and you can find out more about him at his website, jamesbeckinsale.co.uk. So James, I mean, we've always known you first and foremost as a triathlete. How did you get into into the sport? Um, As a Young person, I boxed until my early 20s and then at 17, 18, I joined the military and uh, boxed, for, boxed for the army. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's sort of when I left the military, left boxing, I then needed to find a sport of similar, I guess, psychological sort of, um, a, 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 a similar psychological um, what's the word? Um, drive as yeah. as boxing was, and I just I just totally fell in love with triathlon. Three disciplines. Yeah. I could run obviously a little bit, but never cycled, never swam, and thought, wow, yeah, let's get this on. So that was that was in quite a difficult position in many ways. You see a lot of triathletes come at it from a cycling, running, swimming background. Was yeah. it a struggle getting up to speed with all three disciplines? Um, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock to the system because yeah. when I first got into triathlon, I joined a club called Thames Turbo. And this was in the mid '90s, and at the the fast end of the swimming lanes, there were people like Tim Dawn and Stuart Hayes, mm. and some of the best athletes in the world as juniors at, at that point. And I was in the slow lane, literally drowning every time I, I tried to do a swim session. I mean, you're swimming. I think about it now, and I'd be swimming up and down, and every so often I'd catch water in my mouth and literally yes. feel like I was going to die. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was such a foreign environment for me, but I mastered it eventually. Yeah. And I'm also just coming back to the fact you said that boxing and triathlon offered sort of similar psychological challenges. You must be a big believer in kind of sport being in the head as much as in the body. How how much do you think is is meant? Uh, I would put my hand on my heart and say sport is eighty percent mental. That's interesting. I mean, uh, literally without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, we you. You put two, even if you look at tennis, you look at yeah. golf, you look at um, athletics, whatever sport you get to equal um, ability. And in, when you look at elite level triathlon, most of those engines, most of those bodies are pretty similar. And what allows somebody to stand out more than others is definitely what the top two inches are about. And th- that's so interesting. And the same applies to boxing, I gather. Boxing is uh, without, I mean, that's where the, my, my thinking on the psychology of sport or, or, or comes from is that you know, you step into that ring, you've got to be on it. You've got to be mentally on it. And if you're not, you're not only you're going to lose, but you're going to get hurt. Yes, I'm sure. That, that's absolutely fascinating and really leads on to the sort of question as to why you decided to coach triathlon. Um, so when, during my military years, although I, I, I enjoyed the, the running around in, 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 in khaki and, and, and running in mud and all the rest of it, um, what when when I wasn't boxing for the military I you came you come back to you go back to your battalion and you're allowed to go and do certain courses that you want to do whatever whatever it might be and 
I put my hand up and wanted to go and learn about, you know, becoming a physical training instructor. Mm. So the first course I, I went on, what I didn't realize as a young person is that um, I'm quite heavily dyslexic. So, but when I was at school, dyslexia was never heard of. So you're either bright or you're stupid. So I was, you know, I, I literally grew up thinking I was stupid. However, when I, when I went on the PT courses and they're teaching me about muscles and physiology and, and, and this, that and the other, it just went in like a sponge and it mm. stayed in. And I, you know, I, I just, it just gave me, gave me a completely new lease of life thinking, flipping heck, I can actually take things in and retain it. Um, and then teaching the soldiers the things that I'd learned and putting it into practice, I just totally and utterly fell in love with that side of, of teaching sport or physical training to to other people. Leaving the military um, in the in the mid nineties, I joined Thames Turbo. Um, I think coaching as a concept. I mean, there was a few coaches in the world doing triathlon coaching, um, but at the club, because I'd been brought up from a boxing coaching environment mm. I just didn't see it happening I didn't see coaching happening in triathlon and I done I did triathlon sorry as as a sport for a number of years and I never ever once thought I wanted to get into coaching mm. triathlon but then when I looked at it I, I, I was a little bit miffed at, as to why people were not coaching mm. swim bike run they were just, people were just swimming up and down there's a set off you go blah 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 so in 2000, I decided, I did a little bit of coaching at Thames Turbo. It, it, the, being in a big club like that, it was difficult to implement what you want to do as a coach. So I literally in 2000, with a handful of um, friends um, who I was then racing with, etc., I set up Optima Racing Team and that was, that was in 2000, literally. That's really um, interesting. So am I right in thinking that sort of triathlon is different to just the way someone would you know train for swimming train for running train for cycling like it's it's sort of different because you're combining the three good question um no i don't think it's different however it, you've got to put a you've got to put a slightly different spin on it because um being a pool swimmer even if you look at olympic distance triathlon a 1500 meter pool swimmer is different to an open water swimmer so the technique of open water swimming is different to, to pool swimming. Um, you know, having bodies around you and needing to sight and also, without a doubt, you need to have a, an explosive start to a swim as opposed to a pool swimmer would be like any endurance athlete, you'd hit it or hit your threshold and hold your threshold. Whereas for triathlon, you need to go out super hard to get to that first boy in a decent place. And then you need to be able to settle to a to a, an aerobic um, sort of capacity. So, and then when it comes to cycling, um, as a time trialist, you know you can you can go out there and, and really you know smash it on the bike. But in triathlon, you've got to think, okay, I've got to get off and run. Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't necessarily you know push the guys to a to a point where you know they're totally fatigued at the end of the bike because mm -hmm. there's another little bit to come after that, which is actually the most um, taxing part of the triathlon, the run. Because I've always thought it's really interesting that if you look at sort of absolute top iron men like Christy Wellington, that actually it wasn't like she excelled at either swimming, mm. running or cycling before she did triathlon. And yeah. I think it's so yeah. interesting that kind of, even though she wasn't a sort of winner in any of those, she then went on to win you know, on man so many times. Yeah, 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 mm. totally. I mean, you take a you take somebody like Chrissy who, you know, as was it was a very good age group athlete. Yeah. Um 
but then went over and, and trained with with uh, Brett Sutton, who's without a shadow of a doubt probably the leading coach out there in triathlon. Um, getting inside of her head, I think, was was Brett's key component. So you think, um, obviously, Brett also comes from a boxing background and training racehorses or um, greyhounds and all that kind of stuff. So with, I'm not sure what his his thought process would mm-hmm. be on the psychology of sport, but I, I guess you know it would be. I would I would think it would be somewhere in the similar similar region to myself, where you know he puts a heavy onus on on the psychology of the sport. Yeah. Um, James, can we just come back to Optima then, the club you founded? You mentioned that earlier. For the listeners not familiar with Optima, can you tell us just a bit about, I suppose, its principles as a club? Yeah. Um, when I when I set it up, my thinking was that, I mean, I, I, I still love training. I, I like doing yeah. Ironman myself and all that kind of stuff. And when I set it up, there was literally a bunch of friends yeah. training together. And I would set the, the, the sessions and blah, blah, blah. Um, but in those days, we used to just go out and smash each other. I mean, we used to do rides down to Brighton. And, and I remember, you know, as a bunch of guys and a few girls in there as well at the time, you know, you'd, everyone would go through and do a turn all the way yeah. down until we saw Ditchling Beacon. Beacon, And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted to come through anymore because you knew the pain that was going to happen going over that over that climb. So it was a fun little setup, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the best kind of setup to get the best out of every individual athlete that was that was in, involved so sure. now without doubt the, the the team has evolved i think the the thing the one thing that hasn't changed is that we're not we're not an ego based club mm. so if you come and you want to be look we've got a we've got double olympians we've got some of the best juniors yeah. in the country we've got some of the best age group iron men athletes yes. in the country all within one small team and if you want to come into the, our environment and think you're going to be you know, your ego is going to do the talking. It's never going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's a club for people with their feet on the floor. That's for that's for sure. That's interesting. And in fact, we were talking just before the podcast about the mix of kind of seniors and juniors in the club. Is there anything particularly, I guess, different in the way you approach training the juniors? You know, you're moulding these young people to an extent, are you? I think one of the biggest things with, with looking after juniors is literally looking after them and mm. not allowing them to do... You know, they, they have a bad race and they'll come to you and they say, oh, can I do more running? Well, right. no, you, 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 we're, we're actually, we're going to, you know, especially when they're still at school doing their exams and all that kind of stuff, you know, keeping them to a, to a reasonable amount of hours per yeah. week that they don't overdo it. Um, and then, you know, just making sure that as they're growing, you're constantly um, giving them things to work on right. and, um, and allowing them to master not only the technical part of the sport, but also themselves as young people mm. as well so their time management and um knowing when they're knowing when they're feeling tired and they can mm. come to you and say coach i'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm a bit legs aren't feeling a bit heavy i'm maybe going to take this and so they're not um so their egos are not constantly cashing checks that their bodies can't afford that's i guess that's the that's the learning that they're going to take into the rest of their lives that's a good way of putting it yeah i got i think i got that from top gun Nothing wrong with And uh, James, you started coaching uh, Jill around, was it 2011? Around then? Yeah. Jill has now gone on to compete in two Olympics and two Commonwealth Games. She won a silver medal in uh, 2014 at the Commonwealth. You know, tell us about, you know, coaching someone of that level. Yeah, it's been... 
look i guess the the, the bottom line is i'm i'm super super thankful that i an athlete like jill came into my pathway i guess or into my environment because i have learned so much from working with with her as an athlete um from me personally as a coach but also you know how to how to try and get the best out of an athlete who's literally flying around the world you know year in year out on and off long haul flights how does the body react how did and now she's now she's um 36 years old so how do you get the best out of out of an athlete who is you know most most athletes have have, have quit by the time they're 30 or whatever else and yes okay so she's she's done a degree and she's she's done law for a while so she hasn't been doing triathlon since she was a junior although she did triathlon at a at a decent level when she was a junior so she had a little bit of that going on um it's it, it's fascinating i mean i've made a lot of mistakes um with jill over 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 time um but together you know we'll sit down we'll analyze we'll okay what works what doesn't work and we we keep adapting the the, the program to yeah. fit in or, or to get the best out of her you're not going to get her to do you know super fast stuff all the time she's not you're not going to be able to keep pressing her you can see you know when you work with an athlete day in day out you can see when they're looking tired and you can yeah. adjust what's going on and 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 change things and 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 it's okay for her to take a day off it's okay for her to have an easy session and and, and whatever um but yeah it's been a it's been a fascinating journey without a doubt and what's been the biggest challenge i would say the biggest challenge especially early on was a clash of personalities because i'm 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 I, i've got my baggage if you like jill's got her baggage if you like and we used to clash quite a lot in the in the in the initial time together as coach athlete um and for me learning to learning not to take things personally has been a massive uh, step change in the way i coach and the way i uh, definitely the way i coach her right. mm. Mm. That's a really interesting insight into kind of coach coachy relationship, actually. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Because you've got a very good kind of bantering rapport. No, no, we look. Yeah. If if I right now, if I were to take triathlon out of the relationship I have with Jill, she would be one of my best friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's she's an amazing human being, um, and we get on super well. And um, and yeah, we'll we'll carry on being friends forever. But that that took that if I, if I'd have kept if I'd have stayed on the path I was going, you know, trying to. And I guess working with a female athlete and trying to sometimes force her into yeah. something that she didn't feel was was right or she wanted to do, it was yeah. always gonna. I was always gonna end up hitting my head against the brick wall. So I had to adjust, and I had yeah. to adjust quickly. I mean, I, I think yeah. maybe coming from a a military background, maybe coming from a a boxing background, things are a little um, maybe a little bit more intense. Yeah. So um, yeah, just learning to. To be a little um, less intense, I think, was uh, was important. And what was it like on the day Jill won the silver medal? Well, super exciting because it was the first time we had had the mixed relay in a major a major event. And even today, I you know I, I, w- I was in Hamburg this weekend with the South African team, and I literally stand there for you know the whole time yeah. the mixed relay is going on with a massive grin on my face and my my jaw muscles are just aching it by the time that it's finished because these guys um i know there's a little bit of controversy currently with with ashley gentle pulling out of the individual event on saturday and then yeah. you know doing the mixed relay on sunday but the guys love it the guys yeah. actually love working as a team and they'll they actually do put another per- half a percent percentage 
into that mixed relay so they don't let their teammates down. Yeah. It's a, a fantastic concept. Yes. So that was up in Glasgow for the mixed relay. And it was, it was um, Kate Roberts went off first and then Henry Schumann went, was, was second, you know, made up a few meters on the swim. Yeah. Uh, it just all came together on the day. I mean, we were an outside chance or South Africa were an yeah. outside chance to get a medal that day. Um, and then for for Jill to, to still be in contact, um, the Brits had, had, had gone up the road because when it came to when it came to the, the final leg, yeah. the boys started playing around a little bit on the on the bike and looking at each other. So the Brits actually pulled away a little bit. But you know, for Richard to come home and, and you know you could see how much he put into that, and all every single one of those four athletes put their life and soul on the line to yeah. to, to do the best they could on the day. It was amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah. You must have been so proud. Uh, well, you know what? Proud is a, you know, not just because of the outcome, but proud because you see how deep they're willing to go yeah. as, as, yeah. as, as, as athletes. And it's, yeah. it's performance. You know, people think, oh, they see medals, they see, you know, winning, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what performance is about. Performance is 100% about a mindset on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and being proud is watching these guys as elite athletes when it's three times, you know, seven days a week, uh, they're getting up at five thirty, five o'clock, they're getting to the pool, they're getting it done. And that's what makes you proud is Mm. that you look and you think, could I do that? Mm. Not sure. Mm. I'm really not sure. And they are amazing human beings to get up and do that day in, day out. That's where the the being proud comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of people who want to get into triathlon, who might just be running, uh, today what what sort of tips would you give someone I think your your number one tip is that don't go out spending tons of cash on bikes and kit and blah 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 the best way to start in this sport is even on a mountain bike or mm. you know a tatty pair of this or you know don't go and spend loads of money it's it's quite easy I think even more easy living in West London where you know there's 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 a lot of cash around where people just go out and spend you've got to do the training yeah. you know the the bike or the, the 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 helmet or the the kit that you're wearing is not going to do the race for you mm. so forget about spending loads of money on kit you know join a local club or get in with a bunch of local athletes or whatever mm. else and and get some advice on on you know the best way to to put your your week together even if you've got kids or or you know you've got a, a tough job but you know that's uh, that's a lot of hours there is a way around it you don't need to do tons of hours you could do three sessions a week and yeah. you know you could do your first sprint triathlon no problem mm. at all mm. no i think like that's such so important to realize that you don't have to be doing sort of 15 hours a week no you know to do a triathlon that there are shorter triathlons out yeah. there um so just I mean, just to pause you on that point though what's going to happen when you do take up triathlon it's like it's a source it will change your life so again that was from point break listeners if you <clears throat> but once you do your first one you're going to get addicted and then you yeah. can start adjusting it and you can say okay i'm going to do two runs next yeah. time i'm going to do blah, blah blah i'm going to go out on a slightly longer bike ride i need to get strong so you know do it and then do some personal profiling where you look at your strengths and weaknesses and then adjust what you're doing and even then maybe go and see somebody to look at your swim stroke or whatever else yeah. to just improve that way so to make little changes make it a lifestyle sport not you're just going to do one you know yeah. one big hit out and that's you done because mm. it's a great sport and it keeps you fit and healthy and in this day and age of obesity and illness and injury you know it's a great sport to keep you fresh mm. 
And I'm sure you believe that sort of it's better for the body to cross train anyway than just run all the time. Yeah, um, I, you know, I guess you see it. You get you you see it with rowers, don't you? Where you know they'll go out on a on a on a push bike around the park, or whatever else. They're not constantly just sitting in a seat pulling back because you know they need to they need to do other things. And as a runner, you know, without a doubt, you can you can definitely get a, a training effect from even doing a swim, but but doing a cycle or whatever else. Yeah. You know, that's going to have a, a a good effect on your aerobic capacity as well. And how important do you think flexibility is for sort of runners and triathletes as someone myself who can sort of scarcely squat Joel's <laughs> laughing because I'm so inflexible but well, I don't have yeah. the patience for yoga yeah this is this is where I guess this is a little bit where our sport becomes a bit convoluted because if you were to look at a swimmer yeah a swimmer needs to uh, uber flexibility you know ankle flexibility etc but then you cross it over to a runner and a runner needs tendon stiffness, mm. so you're, you're you're battling with two concepts of, of the of, the, of, of mm. two different you know physiologies, I guess. So I would say that um, uh, one of the things we do as a, as a as a club is we we don't necessarily do a lot of stretching per se, but what mm. we do is something called flushing, where you're looking to elongate the the soft tissue. Um, you you get a little bit of vasodilation, vasoconstriction as you as you do the flushing. And you're not holding it for too long, so six to eight seconds, two or three times, and right. that's at the end of a hard session or a long session. And I find that is a way to keep the body um, flexible, um, good mobility, yeah. and it, it stops with it getting too tight, that kind of thing. And flushing is that dynamic stretching? It's not dynamic, it's a static hold, but it's only for about six to eight seconds okay. each time. So okay. each muscle group you, you, you flush, if you like, yeah. then you hold that muscle group under tension for about six to eight seconds. But you do that two or three times on each muscle group. Hmm. Going back to um, the beginning uh, just of our... To, just to put, there's no yeah. scientific research on that. I've only been doing it for like 15, 20 years. So don't quote me on the Health warning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, based on your own experience of Ironman, how would you recommend people really dig deep when like everything's beginning to hurt and they still have a lot of the race to finish and you know like it's sort of so tough I remember doing my own Ironman when I really got to the point on the cycle when I thought I'd have to give up you know like how would you recommend people dig deep and finish oh, uh, the million dollar question yeah. isn't it but, yeah. um as you've just alluded to, I guess um, I, I remember doing my first my, my first Ironman, and, and the the conversation I had with myself prior to starting it was just enjoy the day, yeah. make sure you take it all in, make sure you keep your head up. Even on the bike, I remember sitting up, and I, this was in um, Australia in a place called Foster Tuncurry, and I, I was I was constantly looking up and and taking in what was going on. Mm. And one of the what what I like to tell people is one of the beauties of Ironman is when you get onto the run. Even a half Ironman distance, Olympic distance sprint, you'll never talk to unless you're you're sort of walking as an age grouper or whatever, you know, real back of pack. You'll never really talk to anybody when you're on the run. You're just sort mm. of getting through it. Whereas Ironman, I constantly try, you know, have chats with people the whole yeah. time because it gives you such a boost just mm. to yeah. just to see how they're doing. How you know they'll talk back and it'll it'll put you in a nice place. But when it comes to when it comes to, I remember 
even doing the swim, you know, a 3.8K swim and getting, you know, getting to the first boy and having hundreds of people. It's yeah. not the same nowadays because you, you go off sort of in little groups of three or four, but having hundreds of people around me and at that moment in time thinking, I can't do this and, yeah. and literally panicking, looking for a way out. This was like, I look forward, there was hundreds yes. of people. I looked to my left, there was hundreds. Look to my right, there was hundreds. Look behind, there was hundreds. But you just have to keep going forward. Mm. That's a horrible concept yeah. for a non-swimmer to have yeah. to deal with. It's It's... It's mind blowing, but you get through it yes. if you keep going forward. If you keep moving, on the bike, you know your 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 nether and your groin at eighty ninety k start to hurt, and you you've still got yeah. another eighty k to go. And mm. you're thinking, are you kidding me? Or your yeah. feet are starting to swell, or you know there's pain in your feet, yeah. there's pain in your. But you'll get through it if you yeah. just keep moving forward. Mm. Yeah. On the run, a marathon in Ironman is is a little bit different because it's not constantly running. And I, I always mm. advise whether you're a top end age grouper or, or elite, it doesn't matter. You're going to walk through the aid stations a lot of the time yeah. because you need to get that fuel on board. So if you're like a normal racing, if you're just throwing water into your mouth and you get a, you know a spoonful of water, okay, maybe that's okay for a Olympic distance, or whatever. But for Ironman, you need to make sure that coke's going in or the water's going yeah. in. So I always advise a few steps just to walk to make sure that. Mm. that's going in and then pick up the pace again run to the next aid station have another walk mm. Mm. no that makes so much sense there is a there is a little concept that comes from special forces where they say that um, there's a 40% rule and when you think that you're at your maximum i.e. you can't go any further you're about 40% of what the human's capable of doing that's so that's such a small amount isn't it I know such a small amount um, last question, James. Who has been your biggest inspiration um, in triathlon or you know sport in general? And and also actually, what what is your sort of life ambition? Okay, I guess the first one is very very simple for me. And you know, growing up as a as a as a boxer, it has to be one hundred percent Muhammad Ali. I mean, it, it, the 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 man, it he. he it just blows you away when you look at what he what he went through yeah. but also his character and the way he especially in the old days you know the way he you know, there, there was he, he was such a young man entering into a sport with these beasts of men that mm. you know he was he was going to fight but had such belief in himself and okay so his belief was a lot of his belief was based on religion and 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 you know, Allah or whatever else, which is which is great. And actually, as a non-religious person, I feel a little bit jealous of that—that that I don't have a higher being to go mm. to to get inspiration or whatever else. But I remember doing when I was studying, sort of writing essays on on Muhammad Ali and and the the, the concept or his, his mental concept. But without a doubt, he's he's my number one. And I, you know, we go to any quote that he's ever made, and it'll it'll pick you up. So yeah. you know, he's an amazing human being. Um, what was the second bit? Uh, your sort of life. Oh, ambition. that's that again. That's easy. I write this every time. I literally, I have no, I have no desire for 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 monetary things, for material things. I want to be. I see myself at, at eighty years old. Hopefully, not too grey hair, but with grey hair on a track, watching happy athletes training under my guide. Well, we all think having such a sort of 
cool idea is it it's just so sort of wonderful to have such an idea like that and we'll be beating a door to james's track side won't we for some 80 year old coaching <laughs> <coughs> yeah hopefully we'll get there james it's been a real pleasure yeah, thank, thank you so, so much for going lovely pleasure really, thank really you. i'm bill Byrne. i'm claire kent and we're the co-founders of Italy road and in this episode we've been chatting to james beckinsale head coach of optima to find out more about Ifley Road and our full collection of running and fitness wear, visit ifleyroad.com.